Welcome to the Solomon's Porch Podcast, the podcast from the worship experience of Solomon's Porch at Valdosta First United Methodist Church. We want you to be encouraged and inspired in your faith journey. So sit back and relax, unless you're driving or using heavy machinery, and enjoy. You know, we live in a really remarkable time. Um... There are a few of us who've got a few years on us who can just see cataclysmic changes that have happened. There are still people uh, who can, uh, probably not many people left from the 1800s, but there are some people 100 years old who can still recall going from horse and buggy to man on the moon, who can remember back when telephones were things that had wires, you know, and like you've seen on the old movies where there's a, somebody plugging in those things and connecting you up to folks, to get smart where he had his shoe phone, and now who knew we'd all have these things? We live in a time of such incredible change. However, we would be wrong if we said this is the first time that the world has experienced these kind of changes. I mean, back in the day, at least for Europeans, you know, we say that, that um, Columbus discovered America. There were actually 10 or 11 million people over here who'd already discovered it. <laughs> but, you know, we, as Europeans, uh, you know, we discovered the, uh, the Americas. Then you have Magellan, who was the first person to circumnavigate the world. And all these people would come back with incredible stories. And then in the 1700s, Captain John Cook, who most of us at least vaguely remember that name, he came back with stories about these exotic lands and islands and stuff. And people really were fascinated by that. The world was changing so dramatically. Now, in England, they noticed another change that was going on, and that was in Europe where they had this upheaval and the, the... Uh, in the French Revolution, which overthrew practically everything, and it was just an incredible time of change. So as people were discovering that the world was bigger than their little spot here, God began to stir in some hearts. Matter of fact, in Europe, uh, excuse me, in England, the churches began to gather for an hour at every first Monday to pray for God to bring revival to their country. They were asking God to do something, and guess what? God did. And if you think that God did something through a preacher, you would be wrong. If you said that God did something through a shoemaker, you would be right. Take a look at this guy. Uh, His name is William Carey. I love that quote. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. As he read the word of God, where Jesus commanded, said, go into all the world and preach to God. He said, that command has never been revoked. Well, there were a lot of people that back then said, oh, no, no, that was just for the first disciples. It's not for us. He said, no, this is for us. Look, at, there's this whole world of people that Jesus loves, 
They don't know him. And we need to go and tell them. In one very memorable or forgettable meeting, uh, William Carey got up and spoke about going and telling people around the world, and a preacher stood up and said these words, Young man, sit down. When God gets ready to save the world, he'll do it without your help. Well, you know what? God wanted to save the world. You know what else? God wanted to do it with Carrie's help and with a whole lot others. Anyway, Carrie was the first in what we usually call the modern missionary movement to go. And so on November 9th, 1793, William Carey landed in a country dear to my heart, because that's where I was born and grew up, in India. And so he arrived there. Now, there's a whole lot more to this story, but I want you to hear this. Within a couple of months, his wife began to exhibit mental illness, which she had for the rest of her life. And a few months after that, their third child died. Let no one think that the work of God around the world is done without cost and without great sacrifice. In fact, many of the missionaries who went over to Africa shipped their stuff over there, packed in a casket, so that it, if and probably when they died, they would have a casket to be buried in. Now that, my friends, is commitment. I have never been there. But those were folks who had no turning back kind of faith. I heart our world. Well, we, we started this deal with I heart Jesus. I mean, you got to start there. If you don't love Jesus, none of the rest of this even matters. And then, you know, we were close to Valentine's Day, and, you know, I heart my sweetheart. And then last week we talked about I heart the church. Listen, the church is the bride of Christ. We'd better love the church, and we'd better love our church. This is where God has placed us. And today, we sort of wrap up this picture by saying, I heart the world. We can't stop by saying, oh, I love Jesus, and it's just me and Jesus. We can't stop with even saying, well, I love Jesus, and I love my sweetheart. Or even not enough to say, I love my church. We have to love as big as God loves, and so he calls us today to have a heart big enough to include the world. So let's take a look at our text. This is, of all the texts I could have picked, this is probably the one we could have skipped the screen, and you'd have known it. So let's take a look at John 3, 16 and 17. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. That's through Jesus. Now, a lot of us kind of memorize that back from the King James, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, you know anybody who says whosoever anymore, um, but, you know, you get the idea. I mean, what does whosoever mean? Whosoever. Anybody. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, if you look back at John 3, 16, what's the first word in there? 
It's not a trick question. Four is correct, all right? Some people are like, oh, what's he doing here? Four, okay. Now, four is just short for the word therefore. And we were always taught in our biblical studies, every time you see the word therefore, you ought to ask what it's there for. So, in other words, this doesn't just start here at verse 16. There's something that's gone before it. So, what has gone before this? Well, it's this reference to a, a story comes out of the Old Testament in uh, Numbers chapter 21, verses 5 through 9. The people are in the wilderness. Okay, they've gotten out of Egypt, and they're wandering around, and, and it's taken a long time. And the people start griping. Now, God's provided them food, and what's the name of the food? Do you know what manna means? Means what is it? They, they, they you know, they, the first day they went out, and they said, manna. Well, that, that was it. <laughs> what is it? So they've been eating what is it for a long time. And, uh, you know, they're kind of getting tired of what is it. And so they were griping. Well, so a plague of snakes comes to it. These snakes just come and biting people and people are dying. And they go to Moses and say, oh, man, we're sorry. We've, you know, gotten, we've been griping and stuff. And uh, so Moses asked God about this. And God says, make a bronze snake wrapped around a pole and stick it up in the middle of the camp. And anybody who's been bitten can come and look on that snake and they'll be healed. That's, that's the story. And Jesus is telling that story, and he says, now just like Moses lifted up the serpent, so I will be lifted up so that all who see me may be saved. Take a look at this picture here. See the one on, uh, on the right there? Does that look kind of familiar to you, the one on the right? Have you ever seen a, a, like a, you know, an ambulance or something go by, or you see a physician symbol, and you wonder, what on earth does a snake have to do with this? <laughs> you know, I mean, that seems kind of counterintuitive. Uh, but the point is, it goes back to this story. There's healing. This is a story about healing, and it's about a story about God. So that's the, uh, you know, where we get the symbol. But... Notice how similar those two are. This is exactly what Jesus was saying. Remember how, folks, you know, they looked on that bronze snake there and they were healed? You want healing for your soul? Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. There's the Lamb of God who was slain for us, the one who takes our sin. And when you look on him in faith, you will be healed. Healed of our sin and our uh, our souls are made brand new again. So this is a, a remarkable story, and I want us now to go back to John 3, 16. You, you can put it back up there, and just kind of let's go through this just word by word and think about what God is saying to us. For, what's the next word? Uh, this is how God, this whole thing starts with God. If you think we're getting together here and saying, okay, everybody, let's all be nice and love the world, we're missing the point. Uh, we love the world. Why? Because God loves the world. See, it, it starts with God, and the fact is we have a hard time loving a lot of folks, don't we? That's why we need God's love, okay? So this is how God loved 
Love is not an emotion, or not just an emotion. Love is action. How did God love the world? He did something about it. God loved the world. That includes everybody. I have bad news for you here. I don't mean to ruin your day. But that means you and I don't get to cut anybody out of that list. We're stuck with loving everybody. You want to know something else that at least make you feel a little better? That means everybody's stuck with loving you. <laughs> you know, and me, and well, there you go. But God loves the world. How did he love the world? He gave. We can't love without giving. That picture of Jesus hanging on the cross, brothers and sisters, that is God's ultimate sacrifice, God's ultimate gift for us. Jesus comes to us with so much passion. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son so that everyone, or as, you know, whosoever, <laughs> you know, everyone, God's arms are open to everyone. Does that irritate you sometimes? It sure irritated the people in the Bible. I mean, Jesus, his arms were open to tax collectors, prostitutes, scum of the earth. I've heard pre people say, well, did you see who came to church today? Well, you know what that person's like. After all, we can't let just anybody in the church, can we? Well, yes, as a matter of fact, we can. Because God's heart is big enough to include everybody, our heart had better be big enough too. Well, I need Jesus to help me have that kind of love. But it says, everyone who believes in him. You know, this is such good news for us. It's not about doing things and, you know, if you'll give this much money or if you'll go out and, you know, do whatever. It's believing. It's trusting in him. It's trusting in what Jesus does for us, not what we do for him. Will not what? Perish. Gosh, you know, sometimes we forget that this is about eternal destiny. Jesus doesn't want us to perish. That's our eternal destiny apart from him. What's our eternal destiny with him? Eternal life. I mean, how awesome is that? And it's not just about, well, you know, pie in the sky when I die. It's about Ham where I am. It's, you know, it starts right now. The presence of God and the power of God and the love of God is right here with us. And we ought to memorize verse 17 right along with it. If, if you don't know verse 16, that's probably one of the greatest verses to, uh, to memorize. And 17 just goes with it. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I mean, that's the heart of God. I know some people, uh, Kelly and I were just talking about this a moment before the service, some people who feel like the church is here to guard to make sure that only the pure are in here. You know, the, the church is here to do everything we can to invite people to come into the family of God. I came across this wonderful um, quote from C.T. Studd. He said, some people long to live within the sound of chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Isn't that incredible? 
That's the heart that God wants us to have. I mentioned to you that I grew up in India. My mom and dad were just totally awesome people. Um, my dad was a pastor, and uh, he and, and just led his church with, here in America. With, uh, he, lived in a, he did live in a foreign country, Ohio. Uh, but uh, while, while they were uh, up there, you know, he just led his church to love and give toward missions and so on. But one day they had a missionary come to their church. And the guy was just in terrible health. So, you know, they had him into the house and, you know, fed him and stuff, and they were talking. And he was describing the work that he did. And my parents said, well, no wonder your health is broken down. You're doing the work of two people. And he said, what do you do if the second person never comes? Well, that was God's call to them. They heard the voice of God, and they said, we're the ones that God's calling. So uh, they embarked on uh, going to India, and uh, I loved growing up there as a missionary kid. Um, my two brothers have spent most of their life out of the country. They just uh, loved it, and they've, they've been in, uh, in Korea and uh, Taiwan for most of their lives. I asked Betty, my, my, my precious Betty, my wife, um, hey, what do you think about going overseas? And she said, I'll write you. <laughs> now, I, I'm not the brightest person in the world. That, that communicated pretty clearly to me. So uh, anyway, God, God called on us to do our service here. But um, Betty and I have prayed for missions. We've gone on mission trips. We've um, been actively engaged. And, and one of the things that God put on our heart, we wanted to support missionaries or help support them, you know, give each month to support somebody on every continent. That was just something God put on our heart. Now, I'm going to just mention this to you because I want to put this specific challenge before you. I believe that every person in our church should help monthly by giving to support at least one person who's serving as a missionary. Or some of you may give through Compassion International to help a child have a, a new future. Everybody ought to be engaged in one. You know, we, we could give $25 a month, $50 a month, $100, whatever God puts on your heart. We can do that. We ought to make a difference by giving. You know, when uh, we're having a, a, a disciple Bible study class, and uh, one of the sections calls, is called our human condition. And so it was talking about reaching out around the world, and here's what it said. Listen to this. Sometimes they get pretty painfully real in that. It says, We are uncomfortable witnessing about our faith to strangers and people of different religions. Even with our families and next-door neighbors, we hesitate to talk about God. We suspect the people will resent ideas that challenge their beliefs and customs. And you ready for this? Punch the person in the ribs if they've fallen asleep next to you. Besides... We're not sure if we'd want them to join us. Ugh. You know, the fact of the matter is, a lot of us don't really heart the world. We need God's help. I need God's help to be poured into my heart. You know, one of the things that I love so deeply about our church 
is I believe God is cultivating that kind of spirit among us. Uh, we have had, um, I don't know if you're all aware of this, but we've had more and more special needs adults who have been coming and just dropping into our church. You know what they have to offer us? Nothing. Except the love of Jesus. And when I look at one of them, I realize this. We can slap each other on the back and, you know, we're all the same. But whenever I see one of them, I realize that day Jesus came. And how I treat that person is how I treat Jesus. And I'm glad that our church is growing in this heart of compassion. We don't get to choose who fits in our world. So, how can we begin to ask God to change our hearts? Let me just give you two simple things. First, start with you. I came across this quote, said, Yesterday I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today I am wise, so I'm changing myself. <laughs> you know, it's start with you. We can only do this by humbling ourselves before God. I literally, in prayer, have to ask God, would you please give me your heart for the world? Would you give me your heart for the people who are right around me? The second is start where you are. Now, I want to just start where you are. I mean, for most of us, our calling is here right in America, right here in Valdosta, where God has called you to work. So what is it that God is calling on you to do? Start where you are. So Kelly, I know oh, he just, I don't mean to talk about him all the time, but I, I just, I couldn't uh, pass this up. Brian is here saying, oh man, I was over at CrossFit working out with you Friday. I can barely move. Kelly loves just serving Christ by bringing pain to other people. <laughs> no, man, you're keeping folks fit. And, you know, but where is God calling you? I see in the ministry that he has, for example, it's about what Jesus is doing in the lives of people. And God's calling him to use this very creative means of helping to touch others. One of our local dentists the first dentist in Georgia who has done, I think they called it Smiles for Vets. I'm not sure I got the name just right. It's on the front page of our newspaper, actually. But he didn't do it to get on the front page of the newspaper. He gave a full day of free dental work to veterans. I mean, that's what, he knows dentistry. He was doing that in the name of Jesus. I think about uh, Laura Leonard, who's our visitor here. Laura steps into difficult situations with elderly people who really uh, think about some, maybe if you've got an elderly parent or grandparent, you know, they sort of, they, they can't fend for themselves. And she's stepped in and fought for them in places and called up credit card companies to get them to do the right thing, you know. And she does it because she loves Jesus. I think about a, a lawyer friend of mine some of you didn't know lawyers could be Christians, but I'm, I'm telling you, I'm just kidding you. But, I mean, this guy is so filled with the Spirit of God. Some folks come to him who just need legal help, and he knows they can't pay him, and he does it for them anyway. 
I think about our kids from the Rock Sunday School. Uh, Last Sunday, they were clamoring around all the pews and stuff there in the sanctuary praying. And then when we we got done here at the 930 service in here, uh, you know, they came on in here and prayed over all. Who knows what God will do through those prayers? You don't have to be uh, old to do this stuff. Uh, children can do this. I love the precious little story about the, the uh, little girl who, whose next door neighbor, his wife died. And a little later in the day, mom was looking around and the girl was gone. She didn't know where she'd gone. She ran out of the house just in time to see the little girl emerging from the widower's house. And she said, where'd you go? And she said, well, I just went over there. Well, to be with him. She said, well, what did you, what did you do? She said, well, I, I just crawled up into his lap and helped him cry. I mean, this is how we love the world, is by making a difference where God loves us. So, I want you just, as you leave here today, in a practical way, now you're going to have to figure this out, but I want to give you two challenges. First, think global. If we're going to, if you if not we, if you are going to love the world, what are you going to do about it? Think about that. Uh, We're going to have a Compassion Sunday coming up. Some of you may say, well, you know, I'm going to help a child. Or some of you may know of somebody who uh, you care about who you could help to support in their work. Or maybe God's calling on you to go on a short-term mission trips. Our kids do that every summer, and it's a huge blessing. So think global and think local. All right. While you're thinking about global, don't forget to do something right where you are. This week, God is going to bring you some opportunities that are going to be absolutely awesome. Don't miss them. Don't miss them. I see the McGinn's here. You all just do such an incredible job encountering students, making a difference everywhere we go. I mean, this is what God calls us to. So let me end with this story. I just love this. There was a young rabbi who was uh, starting out with vision and enthusiasm, and he said, I decided coming out of you know, school, I was going to change the world. Then I realized, well, you know, the world's a pretty big place. So he said, I decided I was going to change my country. And he said, I realized that was pretty big. So he said, well, I'm going to change my state. And he said, well, I'm going to change my city. He said, that's still pretty big. He said, well, I'm going to change my street. And he realized that was pretty big. He said, well, I'm going to change my family. Then he said, I finally realized maybe I ought to start by changing myself. That's where God is calling us. So today, let's start here, but recognize that's not just, I'm not sending you out to try harder. I'm sending you out to trust more. Lean on Jesus. And hear what Jesus is saying to you. I am expecting out of this that all across our church, people are going to start listening and hearing what Jesus is saying to them. And as you respond, you will make a difference in a greater way around the world, and you'll make a difference in a greater way right where God has called you here. It's not either or, it's both and. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Solomon's Porch Podcast. 
We hope you heard some good practical news in this episode that you can apply to your life. If you'd like, we'd love for you to review our podcast on iTunes and share it with your friends. You can also support our ministry by going to theporchvaldosta.com slash give. Until next time, stay classy, listening friends.
Well, we have come now to the end of our four-part series on I Heart, and you know, we're in the church for heaven's sake. You can't start this thing without saying I Heart Jesus. And then it was about Valentine's Day, so we said, well, I heart my sweetheart. And then we talked about I heart the church and I heart my church. And now we come to the end of it because we have to be as big as God is. And God hearts the world. So we're gathered here today to talk about what it means to heart the world. Now the truth is that... uh, Casey was on to something there. And it wasn't about Harry Styles, whoever that is. But anyway, um, you know, how do we respond to the world? Well, the world has changed a lot. And it's changed a lot in our time. Sometimes we forget this isn't the first time the world has changed. It's probably the first time the world has changed this fast. But there were some remarkable times when, like, when Columbus came over and discovered the Americas. Actually, there are millions of people who had already discovered the Americas. They were living here. (laughs) It's just the Europeans discovered that they were over here. And then they had, you know, later on in the 1700s, you had, uh, well, I guess back in the 1500s, you had uh, Magellan, who was the first to sail all the way around the world. And then you had Captain John Cook who came back and brought stories of exotic islands and, you know, all this stuff. And, boy, they were just thinking, what an incredible change is going on as we're discovering this whole world. And that brought people to asking this question. What are we supposed to do about this world? Well, over in France, they just had the French Revolution Everything was being overthrown. The church was being hammered. And nobody really knew what was going to happen. But in England, some people got together and churches would get together on the first Monday of every month for an hour to pray for God to send revival. And you know what? God did something incredible. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, God did it through a preacher. Yeah, not so much. Actually, God did it through a shoemaker. And this is his picture up here. His name is William Carey. William Carey said, Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. William Carey had the audacity to read the Bible and to take it as God's word for them right then. Jesus gave his last command, said, go into all the world, take the gospel to every nation. Well, there were a lot of people at that time who said, okay, that was just for those first apostles. But for the rest of us now, we just are going to sit here on our blessed assurance, and we're not going to go anywhere or do anything. Well, William Carey said, no, I believe that as we're discovering this incredible world, God wants us to go and share the good news of Jesus with people everywhere. In one rather memorable or forgettable uh, meeting at which William Carey spoke up about this theme, a preacher stood up and said, Young man, sit down. When God gets ready to save the world, he'll do it without your help. 
Well, actually, God did want to save the world, and God did want Carrie's help. And Carrie said, here am I, send me. And that was just the first of a whole flood that for uh, centuries kept reaching out to a whole world who needed to know the love of Jesus. Now, William Carey and his family, his wife and four children, arrived on November 9th, 1793 in India, a nation dear to my heart. I was born there. My parents were missionaries there. But when he and his family landed, it was just a couple of months later that his wife began a mental illness that would last for the rest of her life. A few months after that, uh, their third child died. Listen, let us never think that the work of God done around the world is done without a cost. It cost God, His Son, to come to save us, and it costs still greatly for people to go and share the love of Christ. As a matter of fact, I'm just amazed by this. Did you know that many of the early missionaries to Africa would pack their belongings to send over there in a casket so they would have something to be buried in when that time came. Now that, my friends, is commitment. But what does it mean for us to heart the world? Okay, most of us aren't going and packing our stuff in caskets. What does it mean for us to care about the world the way God does? Well, let's look at probably one of the most well-known verses in the Bible and one that ought to be as well-known because it follows right after it. Here it is from John 3.16. This is from the New Living Translation, so it's just a little different. It says, for this is how God loved the world. Say the next part with me. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. And then we ought to know this one just as well. Read it with me. God sent His Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. Now, a lot of us memorized it back in the days when we had the King James Version. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever... Does anybody say whosoever anymore? You know, what, is, what does whosoever mean? Everyone. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, just look up at verse 16 here. And I'm going to ask you something that is not a trick question. Right? What is the first word in that sentence? For. Now, for is an abbreviated version of therefore. And we were always taught when we read the Bible and studied the Bible that every time you see the word therefore, you ought to ask what it's there for. Corny, but it works. It's referring back to something right before this. So what was he talking about before this? Well, he was referring back to an Old Testament story in Numbers 21, 5 through 9. The people of Israel had gotten out of Egypt, but now they were wandering around in the wilderness. And I mean, it was long and it was hot. And you know what they had to eat the whole time? Manna. Does anybody know what manna means? 
Here's what the literal, tra literal translation of manna is. What is it? So the first time manna showed up on the ground, everybody went out and said, manna. Like, what is it? So they, after eating what is it for a long, long time, they were getting pretty tired of that stuff. And they were griping and whining. And here we are at the day. Well, in this whining attitude, all of a sudden, these snakes started appearing and biting the people. And people were dying. And so they came to Moses and said, hey, we're sorry, we're griping. You know, uh, what can we do? So Moses goes to God and asks him about it. God says, build or uh, make a um, bronze snake on a pole and stick it there in the middle of the camp. And whoever comes and looks at this pole with a snake on it will be cured from the snake bite. Well, there it is on the right. Now, if you look here, you've seen something similar to that on, you know, doctor's offices or on an uh, uh, emergency vehicle going by. Did, has anybody ever wondered, what's, the, what's with the snake? On, on the, well, it's referring back to this story. It's, this has always been an understanding of a, a way where God brought healing. So our physicians still use that as a, as a symbol. But if you'll see on the left, this is what Jesus was referring to. Remember the story about the snake? You know, and people look up and had faith and, you know, God healed them. He says, here's what's going to happen now. Is God in Jesus Christ will be lifted up on the cross and all those who look to him in faith will be saved. Isn't that incredible? Brothers and sisters, this is the gospel. This is the good news. This is what Jesus has done for us. This is where God calls us in faith to quit trying and start trusting. And we look at Jesus and we discover there our sins are forgiven. Jesus has paid for our sins and he is raising us up to new life if we just have the faith to believe it. What an incredible story. So, Let's take a quick look back at John 3.16. It says, uh, for this is how what? God. Let's be clear. This all starts with God. I'm not, you know, we're not gathering here today for me to say, okay, everybody, now you go out and I want you to love the world. You know, that's great. This is about more than some kind of self-help deal. We're coming asking for God to put his heart in us so we can have the heart of God. Does that make sense? This is our great need. We can't heart the world the way we're supposed to. But when God gives us his heart, we can. What does God do? He loves. Love is more than just a feeling. Now, love is a good feeling, but it's something that does something. It's not just, no. you know, it's, it's something that acts. And God loves what? The world. Well, I got good news and bad news for you. The bad news is we have to love the whole world too. A little bit of good news in that is 
that means the other people that, you know, like you don't want to love them, but you have to. They probably don't want to love you, <laughs> but they have to. Okay, so God loves the whole world. And what's that love look like? He gives. And he gives his son the very best that he has so that everyone, who's included in everyone? Everyone. We don't get to exclude anybody. Do you have some people you just don't like all that well? Yeah, includes them too. You know, so everyone who believes, who looks to him in faith, will not perish. Wow, this is about eternal consequences. But in, that's what happens if you're apart from Jesus. But if you have Jesus, you have eternal life. Okay, this is, this is the heart of the gospel. And then verse 17 puts it so wonderfully. You know, God didn't send his son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You know, my, uh, my dad was a pastor. He was a pastor in a foreign country, Ohio. And uh, while my uh, dad and mom were there, they were avid supporters of missionaries. They'd often have missionary speakers come to their church and so on. Well, this one guy came who was in terrible health. So they were talking with him and, uh, you know, had him over for a meal and they were talking. And they were, he was telling about all the stuff he did. And when he told them all the stuff, they commented, well, no wonder your health is broken down. You're doing the work of two people. And he responded with these words, well, what are you going to do if the second person never comes? Well, that was the word of God to my parents. And they heard in that man's words their call to go as missionaries. Now, not everybody's called to go, but some are called. And so when they heard that word, they said, okay, God, and they went. Now, I uh, loved growing up as a missionary kid in India, and my brothers just loved it too. Uh, they have lived in uh, Korea and Taiwan. They've been out of the country uh, most of their lives. Uh, so I, I asked my precious Betty, my wife, I, I said, you know, what do you think about going as a missionary? She said, I'll write you. <laughs> now, I'm not the smartest person in the world, but that communicated pretty clearly. So uh, we, uh, our calling was here in America, but Betty and I have long been advocates of being people who love the whole world. And so one of the things that God called us to, not, you know, this is just what he called us to do, was we help by giving monthly to help support missionaries on every continent in the world. So that's a cool thing. For us, is that we, there's somebody we know by name who is ministering God's grace on every continent in the world. So I wanna encourage you. Uh, here's one action step that I want to challenge every family with here in our church. Every family, because everybody can do this. Here's a challenge, that every person in our congregation should help support, you know, giving $25 a month, $50 a month, $100, whatever you can afford, that you would give that every month to support somebody specific in another country around the world who's doing the work of Christ. 
Some of you are giving through Compassion International to help change a child's life. We're going to have a Compassion Sunday coming up in a little while, and you'll be able to do that again if that's what God calls you to. But do something. You know what the worst thing would be is if we left from here and said, boy, I'm sure glad God hearts the world. Let's go get genuine Mexican food at Taco Bell. <laughs> really? This is all it means? Come on. If God so loves that he gave, we ought to give. And we can give in a lot of ways. One way is money, but that's not the only way. God may call some of us to uh, go on short-term mission trips. Our youth do that every summer. Our mid-highs, our senior highs, sometimes they go out of the country, sometimes they uh, stay in the country. Our mid-highs uh, this year are going uh, to Lowndes County. You know what? The world starts at our door. And then our senior highs are headed over uh, to New Orleans. I'm glad. It's not about this or that. It's about this and that. So wherever it is that God puts on your heart, respond in the way that he wants you to. I'm going to tell you something really ugly here. I, I, I'm a part of a disciple Bible study class that's going on. And in our class, in, in the notebook, it has what it calls our human condition. And it talks about what our real problem is. <laughs> Listen to this uh, when we were talking about reaching out. It says this, We are uncomfortable and wit about uh, witnessing about our faith to strangers and people of different religions. Even with our families and next-door neighbors, we hesitate to talk about God. We suspect the people will resent ideas that challenge their beliefs and customs. You ready for this one? This is really ugly. Besides, we're not sure if we want them to join us. I mean, how ugly is that? But isn't that the way we are? I mean, we have... Stuff like, yeah, over there in the Mideast, let's just nuke them all and let God sort them out. Well, there's a real heart of Jesus, isn't it? You know, I mean, man, did you see a Muslim? Go kill him. Great. I'm telling you, friends, this is the world Christ calls on us to be different from the world. In a Baptist church, they'd have said amen. <laughs> Listen, we need to be different. We're not called on to just be like everybody else. So I want to give you two simple things for us to do. Now, this is probably going to take you a little bit of thinking after you leave here. So I'm going to trust you on this one. But first of all, start with yourself. <laughs> Someone said, yesterday I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today I'm wise, so I'm changing myself. There's a good word. You know, we can only do this by humbling ourselves before God and asking Him to give us His heart. The second thing is this. Start with where you are. For most of us, we are sent, you know, y'all, I love people who sit on the front row. Y'all would be in the front row in heaven too. So, but, you know, most of you are, are in school. You know where God's called you to serve? In school. That's where he's put you. And most of us, you know, in our various places of employ employment, this is where God's called on us to serve. I have seen some of the coolest things that have gone on. Uh, matter of fact, uh, one of our good dentists, Brad Bynum, he's the first dentist in Georgia who's done this. 
gave a whole day of free dental work to uh, somebody is glad to see the dentist. Well, those, pe those people were. I mean, by the way, Brad was on the front page of the newspaper, didn't, but he didn't do it to get on the front page of the newspaper. He decided uh, by connecting, so I think they called it Smiles for Vets. I may not have the name quite right. But I mean, he gave away thousands of dollars of free dental care. Why? Well, we began that day. He invited me over since apparently I have the hotline to heaven. Y'all do know your prayers are just as good as any pastor's. But I was honored to come there. At the beginning of the day, what did we do? We prayed. And we asked God to show his favor to all these who came. I just thank God for people like that. I think about Laura Leonard, uh, who cares in our congregation for older people. She steps into places where some of our elderly just kind of are confused about how to do things. She steps in as an advocate. She will get on the phone and she'll fight the uh, credit card companies and do whatever. Why? Because she is there loving in the name of Jesus. I think about a friend, uh, a lawyer friend of mine. Some of you say, they're lawyers who are Christians? Yes. Uh, and uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, you know, this guy, when there are people who come to him who don't have any way to pay, and from time to time he'll just say, I'll be glad to take care of that. And he does it in the name of Jesus. I think about our Rock Sunday School class that last Sunday came and prayed through the sanctuary, walked around, sat in the pews, praying over that. And when they got done, you know where they came? Right here. And they prayed over these seats where you and I are sitting. Who knows but whether the next great move of God will come among us because our kids prayed. I'm telling you, do what you can where you are. I love this precious story about a little girl who lived next door to a man whose wife just died. And the mother looked around a little later and, and the little girl was gone. And so she went running out of the house, couldn't find her anywhere. And about the time she ran out of the house, she saw her little girl coming out of the widower's home. And so she went over and, and you know, grabbed up her daughter in her arms and said, where'd you go? And she said, well, I went over to, to see our friend next door. And she said, well, what did you say to him? She said, I didn't, do, I didn't say anything. I just climbed up in his lap and helped him cry. I mean, this is what it means to be the people of God and to love the world. It means we start at the world recognizing it's right at our front door. But it means we won't stop until our concern and compassion reaches all the way around the world. So, go where God sends you and be present where he is. So here are the two things that I want to uh, let you wrestle with, and uh, I'm, I'm just praying that God will not let any of us go. First, think globally. What is God calling on you to do? You can pray. Matter of fact, at the back, I have, uh, some of you have already gotten these, but there are a couple of things. These are prayer maps. Well, I won't unfold that one. That's got too many folds to it. This is a kid's prayer map. Awesome. Parents, pray with your kids. For one thing, you parents will discover where the continents are. <laughs> All right. 
and not to put too fine a point on it, and you can teach your kids. And you can teach them how to love the world by beginning to know about the world and praying for the world. So we can pray. We can give. Give. Make a difference in the lives of somebody who is going. Maybe you, God will call you to go on a short-term mission trip. Or I, I have a friend here that I've known for many years in Valdosta. Came up to me the other day and said, well, we're selling everything and going to Guatemala to work with orphans. I was surprised. But why should I be surprised? God called them. They said, yes, they're going. I mean, whatever it is God calls you to do, think globally. But do something. And the second thing is think locally. All right, we're going to love the whole world, but what are you going to do now? You're going to care for the world that God has put right at your doorstep. So, Sydney, for you, that means you're going to have a baby and take good care of that thing. And thank you for not having that child during the service. Uh, I think that baby is due here any second. Uh, but where is it that God is calling you? It starts with letting God change us. I, I love the story about the, the rabbi who said, uh, uh, you know, he, he graduated from rabbinic school and he was ready to go. He had passion and vision. He said, I'm going to go out and change the world. And then he thought, well, that's pretty big. He said, I'm going to go out and change our country. And he said, well, that's pretty big too. I'm going to go out and change my city. He said, well, that's pretty big. He said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go out and change my street. And he thought, well, that's pretty big. He said, I'm going to go out and change my family. He said, that's pretty big. So he said, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out and change myself. This is where it starts, by letting God do his work in our heart, by letting him give his heart to us. That's why we come to Jesus. He is the one who gives us a new heart and a new life. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that for every one of us, for the person who's been here for years and years, and for the person who just walked in here today, you are here to meet every one of us. Every one of us is a part of the world that you gave your son for, so we want to respond by giving ourselves back to you. And it may be, Father, that the way somebody here is going to start loving the world is by giving their life to you today. And boy, what a win that is. I mean, that they get to start a whole new life and that you make them brand new and you begin to put your heart into them. And would you do that for us all? That we might be faithful and we might have a whole new way of viewing the world. Help us to see the world the way you do so we can love the world the way you do. So God, speak to us. Thank you for including us in your love. Give us hearts big enough to include the world that you love so passionately. In Jesus' name, amen.